This is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading, and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. Hi, everyone. It is the first episode of season three of our Homestead Education Podcast. We are so grateful and happy you are joining us. Thank you for hanging in there, being patient with both Mandy and I as we have been tending to our gardens and our animals during this busy summer season. But we are back and so excited to bring you more homesteading related content. Hey, Mandy. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Good. Happy happy to be back. I mean, we were talking just uh, before we hit record about kind of maybe just living a little bit in the season of life now instead of being so busy and just, um, so yeah, it feels good. feels good to be back in this space. It does. Yeah. So we noticed being the, well, I noticed being the type A personality that I am when I went through and sort of did a um, analysis of what episodes seem to be most popular, there seems to be an overwhelmingly positive response to our small scale homestead content. And I think that makes sense, right? Because homesteading is a mindset and you don't have to have a ton of land or a ton of animals. We say that all the time. So I think what we would like to do today for the beginning of season three is talk about the apartment homestead. And I know that I started uh, taking an active interest in homesteading without a farm. I don't know about you, Mandy, before you got land, were you like a mind, had the mind of a homesteader? Oh yeah, absolutely. But I think for, and hopefully we can maybe explain what we mean by that, but I think it, um, people might not know what that means. Right. So, and we're going to dive a little bit more, you know, deeper into this, but I mean, that looks just, or one example would be like going to your farmer's market. You know, we all think about having these massive gardens and then being able to preserve the food that we grow and things like that. But if you don't have the ability, you don't have the space or the resources or whatever it is, and you have to take out the piece of having a really big garden, go to your farmer's market, barter with your, you know, local neighbors or go to a family farm down the road or whatever it is, you know, take a, take a drive on a Saturday. There are going to be so many different places. I would, I would be hard pressed to say in every, you know, major city, places like that in the the country, there's going to be some type of, of farmer's market venue where you can source local produce. The keyword I believe is local produce mm-hmm. that then you can take home and learn how to craft with. Yeah, absolutely. Or use the space that you have on a small balcony for some containers, yeah. whether that be herbs or crops. Um, looking at even balcony beehives, if that's permitted in your building slash your city. Um, it really does just come back to, hey, I want to live more in alignment with the seasons and maybe a little more self-sufficiently learn to do some more things for myself. How can I do that without having the quote unquote, uh, typical homestead residence? So we touched on a couple of ideas. Let's dive into it. Sure. We did an episode before on container gardening, didn't we? In the yeah. last season. And we've kind of, uh, you know, occasionally talked about food crafting and things like that. So they're kind of all going to merge into this. But I know we specifically wanted to talk about 
you know, for the folks that do live in, you know, apartment style or, you know, more suburban style living um, and kind of branch out a little bit because I think that the idea, and we've said it so many times is, you know, it's twofold. The idea I think is that folks think you have to have, you know, one of the biggest questions were asked, how many acres do you have? Right. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to, you know, small space or just, you know, uh, I guess condensed homesteading, you can do a lot with a little, and we've said it so many times. And then it, that, well, I guess my second point kind of just falls right in line with that, that people think that you have to have a lot of space to do a lot and you just don't. I mean, mm-hmm. you have some, a spot where has, uh, gets full sun and that's when yeah. we're specifically talking about gardening. Yeah. If you get full sun or even partial sun on your balcony or patio or what have you, um, you can grow some decent things there in containers. Do take a look at the previous episode on container gardening, but you can look, you can practice companion planting. You can use trellises, window boxes. When I had an apartment, I did a lot of um, window boxes on the railings on both sides. So you're doubling up on the railing space, right? You have them growing into the deck and on on the outside of the deck. And then you can do hanging pots. Um, and there's a lot of plants that are more conducive to containers than others, like corn in theory. Yes, you could absolutely do corn in a container, but it gets really tall, right? And it's a heavy feeder. So you're going to need to be feeding the soil with new soil or fertilizer a lot. So things that tend to be smaller crops are more suitable for your containers. We're talking things like herbs, lettuce, strawberries, the um, indeterminate tomatoes. Those are the ones that reach a specific height and don't grow indefinitely. Those are going to be good crops. Peppers are great. Cucumbers and zucchinis can even do well in a container. Um, But then beyond that and container gardening, you can go into your kitchen. And if you have a sunny windowsill, you can grow things in there. And you can even do cut and come again garden crops. So, Mandy, do you want to talk a little bit about what cut and come again is? Oh, gosh. Well, like spinach. So, like things. So, cut and come again, and there's so many different varieties of. So many different plants. So it's basically kind of exactly how it sounds. It's something grows and then you cut it. And so you harvest it for your meal or whatever it is. You don't, you're not actually pulling the roots out. You're just cutting it or harvesting what you need and it will regrow. So it's kind of like you see those fads online where people will um, take like the, they'll actually take the plant and harvest it or whatever. Let's say romaine, for example. And you, you know, for, for the visual, um, of what you see, they put it in water and it it will regrow another romaine head, but there are so many different varieties. Um, you don't see it. You're not going to find those things with like tomatoes or squash or peppers or things like that. But a lot of lettuces, I mean, you're, you mentioned strawberries. It's not necessarily a cut and come again type of a thing, but it's something that you plant and they're going to give to you every year. And you, you did mention tomatoes and obviously planting correct varieties is going to be the key thing there. But we, as a gardening society, uh, have developed, not we as you and I, even though that would be so cool because that would be so cool. But, um, (laughs) we, (laughs) The the community has uh, developed 
varieties of tomatoes that are meant to be in containers. They, they will yes. set it in your seed packet, container friendly. They don't get very big. They're not going to climb 10 feet, 11 feet, 12 feet tall up, up, up a trellis. Most, some of them will have like beefy steaks that you don't even have to have a trellis with. So there are a lot of options for food growing with container gardening. And I think that that's probably where a lot of people start. Uh, you know, there are mechanisms now where they, you know, like the green stock thing, we don't have one, but I've seen a lot of people that do have them and you can grow so many things in, you know, a small amount of space. You could make your own green stock thing. Like, yeah, it's like a tower for those yeah. that aren't familiar. It's like this, this tower with all of these little pockets, 360 degrees all the way around. Mm-hmm. And each compartment can have a different crop. Yep. 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 Yeah. And you know, I think that um, you know, we're calling this episode apartment homesteading. Take it kind of for for what it's worth. But you know, the idea of homesteading is you know, getting back to a more simple time. Um I think that's a very broad baseline type of explanation. So you, you're growing your own food and you're learning how to preserve it. You're, you're, I guess, eliminating one of, you know, or a step, right? You're eliminating mm-hmm. having to go to the store, something like that. So we talk about all types of things that you can do, apartment, homesteading, container gardening. Angela mentioned balcony bees. I'll let her kind of talk about that here in a second. But other things like making your own bread, right? So sourdough mm-hmm. is a huge, is a huge, I'm going to call it a fad. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that homesteading in general, and I don't mean this as a negative thing at all, because we are homesteaders through and through, you know, it, I was talking about this with my parents not very long ago, or we were, Casey and I were, and how, and I think it was when we came back from the homestead festival, you, you know, you look at, it's almost like homesteading skipped a couple of generations, right? Yeah. it, you know, my parents' generation, no way. They would have never even thought about it. I don't even think my mom knows how to make, I mean, like she's trying to make sourdoughs. I'm, I'm trying to teach her still, but like, you know, she didn't grow up. I didn't grow up with her making bread for us and things like that. We did not have a garden. My grandparents had a garden, but my parents did not have a garden. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, 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 and tying it all in and what I'm trying to say is, I think it's really coming back around. And so folks that want to get started with doing anything, you don't have to, you don't have to start with land, right? You can start with all these other pockets of what quote unquote homesteading is or what a lot of quote unquote homesteaders do. And Mm -hmm. you can do it in your apartment or your suburban home. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't even have to have a balcony. You can have, just as long as you have windows, citrus, potted citrus trees do do great in windows as they do obviously on balconies outside. Um, you can do a lot with citrus. You can even do espalier or espaliered, the, the espaliered fruit trees, um, apples, pears, pretty much anything that grows in an orchard, you can get grafted on a rootstock that's meant for training and you can learn how to adapt the shape of your fruit tree to grow up against the flat surface like a wall. And as long as you're giving it adequate sunlight, whether that be a grow light or outdoor sunlight is always best, um, you can learn to grow quite a bit of food 
in a very small space. And then we talked about before in the, in the container gardening episode, how you can experiment with the companion planting. I mentioned that before, and you can start doubling up on what you're actually growing per container. So you can grow things around the base of your tomato, around the base of your, your fruit tree. Um, so then Mandy mentioned sourdough. Maybe you take some of these things that you've grown or just things that you want to make on your own. And the kitchen is such an extension of the homestead. I think it's just as integral as, as the garden. Because it's all about preservation. It's all about, oh, I just dropped my microphone. Sorry, Mandy. (laughs) Um, It's just all about preservation. It's all about um, really just removing. It's about experimenting. Yeah, and removing preservatives and removing the transportation component. Mm -hmm. And that can be sourdough, absolutely. But then it can also be these other things like your homemade vinegars and kombucha is a really popular item. And then we're looking at like, even if you can source from a local farm cream, you can start making your own butter. Look at, look at milk products for cheese. And then, you know, it, it's really is a rabbit hole, isn't it? Absolutely. But I think if we said nothing else, you can do, you know, we all want to, I, I don't, I don't mean to lump everybody in the same group, but like, if you are seeking, um, more of like the homestead lifestyle, um, we have said it so many times that you cannot accomplish everything in, mm-hmm. you know, one year, two years, three years, even four years. Right. Right. I mean, we're year six and we're, we're, we said it, it really year five is when we started to kind of feel a little bit like at home or at peace with kind of what our, our goal was. But my point there is if you're seeking a little bit more of that lifestyle, we've said it already in this episode and we say it all the time and Angel just mentioned it right now, you know, trade with somebody. We all have like, there. we all have skills. We're all, we're all different because it would be so boring if we were all the same. So what I'm good at, you're maybe not good at and vice versa. And I would love to trade you some of my goat milk for whatever you have and you can make cheese. You can make what, you know, whatever you, you want, you can make soap. Like there's so many things you don't have to have all of the things in order to do all of the things. Right. It's all about, you know, my dad, he has a lot of like, um, yeah, things that have stuck with me. We've talked about, you know, like nothing good happens after midnight, you know, those yeah. type of things. But he, and I, I take this as a very positive thing. It can be spun negatively, but he always told me life is not about what you know, it's about who you know, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, I mean, I guess just sit with that for, for a second. But Well, it just branches out into... Hey, I'd really like to eat seasonally, but I don't have the space to grow all my own food. And you mentioned go to a farmer's market. I think a CSA is a fantastic option because I think still at a farmer's market, right? A lot of times farmers who are relying on crops as a source of income or the main source of income are growing what people tend to like, and they are trying to grow and sell what meets the mass demand of the consumer. But if you're doing a CSA, I think a lot of times those tend to be a little bit more seasonally focused, meaning people are buying into it in advance. And so they're just saying, hey, whatever you have in the month of June, July, August, I'm going to eat it and I'm going to try to preserve it, work with it, maybe learn a new recipe. 
And so absolutely, when you join a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, a farm is going to give you a box every week or twice a week. Sometimes it'll include just vegetables. Other farms work with multiple farms and they include meat, cheese, and um, milk products. Sometimes you'll find something where there's like homemade goods like breads. But the whole idea is you pay up front for a subscription and then you would go to a location. It's not delivered to your home. And every week you're just kind of picking up whatever the farm is happening or, you know, to provide eggs, whatever that particular week. And you end up with some really interesting things like rutabaga, kohlrabi, things that aren't so common and that you might not necessarily pick up if you were at a farmer's market because it's something you're not used to. But if you find it in your box and you don't want it to go to waste, you learn how to work with a new crop. And it's so it's kind of cool because you truly are eating in alignment with the seasons. And if nothing else, you can compost, which I think is something else that's super important that you can do in a small space, on a balcony, on a patio. You can do a worm tower, a vertical worm tower. You can do a teeny tiny little compost bin. Um, I think there are just, I, I, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. I think that even small spaces, I guess what I want to say are underutilized when it comes to homesteading, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, are you even talking? I mean, you could even, we were talking about this again before uh, we started recording and we've talked about it multiple times and we probably talk about it on social media or just a few minutes in person. I mean, people, you, we have seven acres. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it is pasture, right? But take take out if if we're just specifically going to talk about gardening or something like that, or pretend we don't have a, a cow and a horse and we just have the goats. You can do, we would use a fourth of that to do everything that we needed to do. So everybody thinks that you, you know, we dream of like these big rolling hills and, and things like that. And for a lot of us, it's not attainable and that mm-hmm. is okay because mm-hmm. you don't need it in order to accomplish a lot of these goals. Um, mm-hmm. You just, you just don't. I had two really good friends in the past who one lived in a very urban neighborhood, very, very small plot of land, right? Less, less than a city block. It was very, houses were very tightly put together and she converted her front yard from ornamental landscaping to edible landscaping. And I did that as well when I was on three quarters of an acre before I was at the farm now. And that's really addictive because all of a sudden you have these gorgeous bushes or shrubs out in your front yard that you're eating from. And that's so cool, right? Once you start getting into that world, because I think a lot of people tend to landscape with beautiful ornamental plants and there's nothing wrong with that. I love them too. I have them. But then when you can start doubling up, that's awesome. And her big thing was preserving. She would go to orchards and farms and do a lot of you picks. And she was a, she, to this day, I haven't met anybody that makes chutney, jam, sauces as well as she does. She was definitely a homesteader. She didn't have the space for it, but she just kind of had a different step, right? Rather than the growing, she was more focused on the preservation and the canning and the processing. Another friend that I had lived in an apartment and her balcony was one of the most gorgeous container garden plots I've ever seen. I mean, we're talking green bean vines growing up the walls and she made her own clothes. She did a lot of preservation. She bought into like half cow purchasing things, right? 
she was doing bulk cheese making. And then she made this pantry for all of her jams and things that she canned. That's a homesteader. That's amazing. So I think that what, you know, the takeaway from what I'm hearing or what I want people to kind of uh, take away from this is a lot of people are probably considered homesteaders, right? Mm-hmm. Don't even probably consider themselves homesteaders, mm-hmm. or they're doing it without even knowing that they're doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess my yeah my my grandma still um, the one that had a garden. My grandpa since passed, she still makes things, you know, like jams and stuff like that that we would consider, you know, like that. Me as a homesteader, it's going to like, you know, we talk about badges. I'm going to earn this badge. I'm going to make this. And like people are doing that everywhere. Yeah. it. I think homesteading is everywhere. It's kind of just you have to take away that, that, you know, that blur boundary that says that you have to be doing it rurally because you just, you don't. No. And then if you look at like, quote unquote, urban homesteads, I think rooftops are such an underrated place that a lot of people just ask, like just my friend just bought or yeah, he bought a little condo down in Puerto Rico and he just asked, can I use the rooftop for a garden? They're like, sure. Nobody else is doing anything with it. He's going to grow vegetables down there on the rooftop. I was talking to another friend who owns a coffee shop and I was like, well, do you have access to the rooftop? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, put some bees up there. You can do your own honey for the coffee shop. And he's like, seriously considering it, right? The rooftop, just ask if it's a flat space that, hey, maybe you even end up paying just a nominal fee additionally per month. Oh my God, could you have a little chicken coop up there? Could yeah. you have bees up there? Yeah. You could have a total urban farm and it would be secluded. I would say in the middle of the city. Like you can have. Yes. I mean- yeah. You yeah. Or think the apartment maybe would even be on board with it and it would be like a group effort. I don't know. There's probably people being like, Hey, old lady Susie upstairs would hate it if she heard the rooster crowing at the rooftop chicken coop. Fine. Okay, fine. Maybe not everybody is into it, but still it's worth asking. But everybody's probably I would hope to think that maybe you would have at least a handful of people involved in like a garden or something. There's community spaces everywhere. Um, and so make it, make it a thing. If you live in an apartment complex, a condo type situation, ask like, do you have a, is there a common area? Can we put a garden here? Can we, you know, and then, you know, everybody tends to it and then it doesn't become so it's not a burden just on you because that's a whole nother conversation that we can have. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, a homestead, it's a, it's definitely a lifestyle. So maybe you just want to kind of like dip your toes in it a little bit. I don't know. There, there are a lot of opportunities. Um, and I know, again, we're calling this like the apartment homestead, which it very much, it very much is. I mean, it's, it, if you, if you had, you have to think about it like this. If you're listening, you know, listening to everything that we're saying, if you only had an apartment, what, and you also wanted to homestead, mm-hmm. um, what could you do with your space? Right. Um, author Jenna Wogenrich, she wrote a couple of books. She's the author of Barnhart and Cold Antler Farm. Um, and I'm not sure if it's one of those or another title of hers, 
but she started her homestead in her apartment and she worked with her landlord to give her a little bit of a backyard space. Mm -hmm. And she wanted a shot at raising animals. And I don't think she had poultry to begin with. She started with Angora rabbits, right? Because then she could take the rabbit manure and learn and work with it to compost and feed her, her plants. And then she was using the Angora for knitting, but she had a dog and she wanted to stack functions with her pet. So she learned, she taught it to pull, I think with either a sled or a backpack, I can't remember, but she gave it a job. And so when they would go out and forage and do things, all of a sudden she had this companion animal that much like on a, on a large scale homestead, you know, like a draft horse or something, she was teaching it to work with her. And then I was also just thinking about when I had three quarters of an acre and we had goats and the city said, no, you can't have the goats. And we had to get rid of them. I started looking into lobbying for pro goat rights. And I I remember coming upon in California, I think it was San Francisco, urban scale neighborhoods were getting the rights to keep a backyard goat. Mm -hmm. And that's a thing. Like you, if you feel passionate about having a backyard goat and you're in a neighborhood, go look up pro goat or I am pro goat. There's bumper stickers. There's an entire movement about lobbying to keep goats with all of the benefits with their manure, their lawn keeping abilities, uh, eating weeds, you know, look that up. You might be able to change zoning laws in your city if you get enough traction and you get enough support. Mm -hmm. I know. So I think, I think what we want people to know is uh, you know, the good old fashioned saying that you don't have to have a lot to have a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to have, and we're specifically talking about space or living in the middle of nowhere or anything like that. You can start with things like container gardening. Angela really, you know, talked about CSA and, you know, bartering with your neighbors, finding a place where you can get raw milk going to, you know, being taught how to make bread, um, go do you picks and come home and teach yourself how to can preserve. I mean, just, just start to do stuff. Um, you may never actually make it out on your, you know, out on the, you know, land or quote unquote, leave the apartment style, but you are Mm -hmm. still very much considered a homesteader. Um, yeah. Or I've heard quote unquote, hope steaders, people that are like, I want to be a homesteader, but I don't have the space for it. I'm just a homesteader right now. No, no, do it now. Yeah, and you are a homesteader. Yes, like, I think that again, the the idea is, you know, we live in the middle of the field in a dress, like a prairie, and like we, you know, go to the river and get our water, and like and it's just not that. It's not right. that. It's so many different things. It is. It is what I do. It doesn't have to be the same thing as you do. And if you want to call yourself a homesteader, then by all means, please do call yourself a homesteader because I think at the very baseline and what we're all trying to do is just kind of maybe cut out some steps, get back a little bit to the basics. Like Angela said, eating seasonally, um, bartering, sourcing things. And um, that's really what it means. It's just kind of like returning to our roots. We we need to bridge the gap on all of that stuff where we skipped all those generations, you know, or one or two generations. And if something happened, just because you live in the city, 
if something happened and you needed to, you know, uh, if you needed milk or you needed water, or you needed food, like, do you know how to source it? Do you know how to cook? Do you know how to do all of those things? And you can be taught, you can taught yourself, taught yourself, you can teach yourself how to do that in an apartment. Right. I think, I think Mandy, what Mandy is feeling so passionately about and saying <laughs> is that just because you live in an urban location, doesn't mean you have to resign yourself to an urban lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Unless you want to, and then that's totally fine. But I think that the common denominator between actually living off the land and being a homesteader like in the country and folks that want to be homesteaders that do live in more of a, an urban lifestyle is they think that you cannot do some of the more rural things in an urban setting. And you absolutely can. Mm-hmm. You might have more access than what we do for, in, you know, for certain things when it comes to sourcing goods or, you know, CSA or you picks, you know, a lot of those things are going to be more centrally town located um, mm-hmm. versus, you know, having to drive 30 or 40 minutes to something like that. So right. yeah, it is. It's something that um, I, I am passionate about. I think we kind of, you are too, because you, the goal is to share our lifestyle and teach every, you know, teach people who are willing to listen about how to quote unquote be a homesteader or what it means to us. And I think a lot of people struggle with the fact that they think that they cannot reach it and it's attainable to them already. Right. Yeah. All right. That's it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) She said it. She's done. I'm going to mic drop. I'm leaving. Um, but seriously, we're here to just kind of maybe open those doors a little bit and just think outside the box, um, with everything that we have mentioned, if you're, if you're longing or yearning for something that's a little bit more simplistic, but you can't actually physically be in that more quote unquote simplistic, although sometimes it's not, it's not simple. Um, then think about how you can make it work where you are. Make some moves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if it really is important to you to get this bucolic um, landscape under your feet every single day, and you really just aren't content in a city but can't afford to move, volunteer for a few hours to help on a farm because farmers need help. There's always a shortage of hands. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that if they can't pay you, they're going to send you home with some vegetables mm-hmm. or, hey, come back anytime. You can ride my horse kind of thing. Um, if, if you really feel like you just really need to be out in the country, they can't afford to get your own place, then volunteer to help someone who does need the help. And mm-hmm. it will benefit both of you. Yep. Yep. So many opportunities. Don't limit yourself to the space that you're in, you know, don't take it so literal. Right. So mm-hmm. we, um, if anybody is searching for, you know, how do I make this work and where, where I am right now, um, we're always here for you. And, uh, the goal again, as we dive into this season is to kind of just by homesteaders for homesteaders, right. Just to kind of, teach our teach the the way that we live and what we've learned and you know the pros and the cons and what we've done right and what we've done wrong and just bring it to you all the end the end (laughs) no but everybody have a really good day and um happy peak of the week 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axeandroothomestead.com and on Instagram at axeandroothomestead. Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. We'll see you next time.